Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are kicking off this regular season week two, basically, in the NBA here, Nate, uh, with a pretty full slate on a Monday night. Do you want to make sure you're liked and subscribed to that page? Continue to follow along with us. We are bringing you videos each and every weekday of this regular season, including our player props video and these game videos as well. Want to make sure you also head over to thelines.com. That's where we have all of our great written content for you guys all season long, as well as our odds finder tool that you can go ahead and use to make sure you are shopping all of those NBA lines and player props to the best of your ability across those U.S. Sportsbooks. As I said, we've got a pretty full slate on things tonight. Nate, let's go ahead and get into all of those lines for Monday night in the NBA. Yeah, eight games to choose from here, uh, so plenty to bet on. And we got going through the lines real quick here. Pacers are plus 12 at the 0-3 Sixers. Magic plus 7.5 at Knicks. The Raptors plus 3.5 at Heat. Jazz minus 1.5 at Rockets. We'll break that one down in a separate video. The game we're talking about here, Nets plus 1 at the Grizzlies. Total of 233 there. Celtics are minus 6 at the Bulls. Spurs plus 8.5 at the Wolves. And then the Nuggets minus 5 at Blazers. But, yeah, the first thing that, that comes to my mind is it's a big game. It's John Morant at home, and uh, it's the Grizz coming off a loss which makes me want to back them uh, because this is a team that doesn't usually string together bad performances in the regular season. Completely baffled by the Mavs who have the second best defense. Once again, under Jason Kidd here, just rolling that rolling that through, um, somehow finding a way to, to limit John Moramp. And Memphis is extremely dependent on him right now, especially with Dylan Brooks still out. Jaron Jackson Jr., of course, out indefinitely. The Grizzlies' defense has been pretty terrible without those two guys and without De'Anthony Melton. Uh, so there is some intrigue on the over here. It's already gone up, gone up a half point since we've basically been talking here. Um, I don't know if I'm sold on on that high of a total, uh, but I do like the Grizz here because the Nets just aren't a team with much backbone. And now, literally, they if you're trying to roll. Ben Simmons out at power forward or center. I don't know how you're going to stop a team that's been leading the league in pay points the last couple of years. They're not there yet through three games, but with Ja attacking, I mean, if there's nobody there to stop Ja once he gets into the paint, uh, it should be easy money for Memphis here. Uh, they've done a great job finding guys, of course, to fill in for JJJ with uh, uh, Santi Aldama. I believe his name is John Conchar, just people you've never really heard of who are stepping in and, and, and being that pick and roll partner for Ja. They do have the ability to spread the floor and to knock down shots. Brooklyn has been terrible guarding the three-point line, and that's where Memphis has been making their hay so far this season, spreading things out around Ja, uh, who just really has looked like a terror. And, and I, I mean – it, it was still no Seth Curry for the Nets, but Joe Harris out there. That's a, frankly another pretty easy defender to pick on between him and Kyrie. And we're not seeing Simmons play with much confidence on either ends of the floor. The Nets went 13 and 18 straight up against the West last year. They went 24 and 21 straight up after a win. So I like tar- I like the fact that we're getting an even line here because the Nets won their last game and the Grizz lost. But I think if if it had gone the opposite way, this line would be inflated far more for Memphis at home, where they're 35 and 13 since the start of last season. I mean, this is a huge home court advantage. 
And it's a Nets team that, frankly, is pretty morose most of the time. And if things don't go their way early, like we saw with the, their opener against the Pelicans, they, they could fold. Yeah, uh, easily fold. You're totally right. I mean, we we you called Simmons under the other day. Um, and to your point, not only did the did the the Grizz, um, you know, is this line somewhat Im- impacted pretty heavily actually by their recent loss. It was Saturday when they got spanked by 41 points to the Mavs. And and we talked on this show last year, the year before. We're not betting NBA Saturdays. Uh, we're also really not betting NBA Sundays. Uh, things get kind of weird over the weekends, when, especially when you get uh, you know a bunch of games like there were on Saturday with teams on back-to-backs. Um, you don't know who's playing. You don't know who's going to come out and care. Uh, so it's kind of difficult to, to bet those games. But it was a 41-point loss uh, on the second night of a back-to-back for those Grizz, and, and now they're 2-1. and one. It, 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 Like you said, all the stats for the Grizz, I think we expect them to regress or progress whichever way they are right now to the, their mean uh, in, in, in terms of what they do and what they do well right you talk about uh fast break points causing turnovers uh crash just crashing the crap out of the offensive glass getting offensive rebounds getting second chance points um and all that kind of stuff that they're going to come back to that uh for sure uh especially you know brandon clark's going to continue to get more minutes this season as well uh which is only going to help that all of those you know hustle stats uh that they're going to be so good at um so yeah you know there's still there's still time for them to come to that but the 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 key here is john morant is probably on another level um if, if if some of the voters had their way he'd probably win most improved player again he's averaging 34 points a game on on 32 minutes uh right now and, and was i believe what like 11 12 to 1 to be the mvp at the beginning of the season and already got shot out of a cannon to, to sort of catapult himself uh at the head of that award already through three games um and so yeah i mean what what I do like uh, an over in this game. I think we're seeing that at the beginning of the season. Um, we kind of talked about this as well. In the first three or so weeks of last season, there was a rule change also uh, that was a lot, getting a lot more uh, – pub than the, the rule changes that have occurred this year, obviously with uh, things about the foul calls and not wanting to send guys like James Harden to the line for um, flopping all over the place. And I think we saw a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of that lead to actually even more points in a lot of ways as guys weren't going towards that and they were just playing the game normally. I think it regressed a little bit, but I like totals at the beginning of the season to be over. Uh, and I like guys to be able to put the ball in the net and defenses to still be sort of figuring things out for themselves, to be honest with you. So, you know, that's why I would prefer an over in this one, but that's not where I think the value lies either i do think brooklyn's in, in shambles enough right now uh on defense and the fact that both of these teams kind of follow each other all over the nba stats uh site if you look at the, the stats pages they're all they're very similar in terms of how bad they are in certain areas right now they're both shooting a lot more threes than i think they care to um which is probably only going to increase with joe harris entering the lineup back again for brooklyn tonight and and, and neither of them are really defending the paint um and really defending that well in general so uh I, I like i said there's opportunity for points but at the end of the day, this Memphis lineup is just so much better. I don't know what you're getting from Ben Simmons. Still, we we don't. Um, and this is this uh, this is going to be a team with you know the guys that are playing the most minutes uh, for them right now in, ter- in terms of the front court with Royce O'Neal and Nick Claxton getting you know the majority of those minutes. It's it, there's there's nothing there to scare you uh, as as you're trying to you know work your way around the court. You can use any space you want. And once Ja gets into the lane, who's going to be there to even you know alter his shot, much less get in the way of it. Yeah, and those second chance points that the Grizzlies thrive off. I think you pointed out that Brooklyn's still struggling to deny those. I mean, interesting that both the I mean Brooklyn's twenty seventh in defensive efficiency so far. Memphis is twenty ninth. I don't know how much of that is the schedule you faced in such a small sample size that Memphis played a run and gun game with Houston, and then 
uh, got smoked by Dallas, as you mentioned. But they're, yeah, I mean, you look at their results last season. When they when they take a big loss, they tend to bounce back. Bounce back. They had <clears throat> a huge forty five point loss to the Wolves at one point. Bounce back, one in Utah two nights later, which is an extremely tough thing to pull off. And uh, I believe the actual number for them after a loss is, is 25 and nine since last season. So uh, we talked about in the future, it's just Memphis taking every game extremely seriously, um, ramping up for these games. And that's where I start with, with their leader, Ja, who's f- f- transparently excited when he actually gets to play on national TV, when he actually gets to show people how good he is. And he knows he'll have some eyeballs on him in on an eight-game slate here with Brooklyn in town, and there's nobody out there who could stop him. So really, I think what I said to you is I like the job props, who we're going to talk about in the prop video, more than I like Memphis to necessarily win the game. But uh, I think if I'm le- if I'm leaning away, it's it's Grizzlies at at this small spread more than it is betting the total or anything. Uh, I, I do like Memphis at just minus one. Yeah. For sure. And, and and all of their stats that you might want to look at this season, it's been three games and one of them is wildly skewed um, by that game in, in, in Dallas that they just got walloped uh, in a bad spot for them, for sure. And Dallas coming off uh, a loss that they were really trying to avenge as well in their second game of the season. Nothing really to, to, to be too worried about there um, in that when they basically took out their starters in the third quarter. Uh, so, like I said, everything is really skewed and I, you're going to see a lot of that come back to earth. Uh, tonight, I think there's I, I might even consider uh, a Memphis alt line here, get maybe around like three and a half, uh, honestly, and, and get about plus one forty five, one fifty on my money. Feel pretty good about that, too, because uh, this this Brooklyn team just it, it doesn't it, it's if it's going to rely on KD to be absolutely wildly extra every single night as he continues to age and has nothing around him. It's not it's just not this is not the roster built around even a guy like KD, who you'd like to think he sort of, you know, he, he negates the need to build a roster around him. He's so good. You can just put me and you and, and Moa on the same squad as him. It will be fine. But it's not that NBA anymore. And it's not that Eastern Conference anymore either. I think they're going to find that out uh, very, very quickly this season as they are right now. We're looking at jazz and rockets and the uh, we're not tanking jazz. Everybody kind of making fun of Danny Ainge for claiming that, but really that's been their approach. They are absolutely trying to win games here. They have some pieces. I mean, there might've been some questions about how it fits together, uh, but really just don't underestimate the heart of giving a shit in the M- at the beginning of the NBA season, apparently, because they, they are 3-0. They're coming off an overtime win here at NOLA in which both Zion and Ingram got hurt. So I'm not necessarily saying that Utah is as good at as 3-0 and, you know, is going to be there all season. But I am saying that they can beat the freaking Rockets who are not trying to win at all whatsoever. And they're only plus one and a half here. Uh, they've lost 10 straight games going back to last season, and they're completely fine with that. I mean, they are well immersed in the uh, Wembanyana scoot sweepstakes here uh you look at their defense last year is this year is just non-existent last year was also about 29th or 30th in every category but this year so far dead last in in efficiency in assist to turnover ratio allowed 29th in points allowed 29th in opponent shooting and 28th in fast break points utah has been pushing the pace they're 11th in fast break points uh they're number one in three pointers right now they They have these guys off the bench, Josh, who, who didn't play that much, even though it was an overtime game. And, you know, they're they're not the veterans. I would expect Mike Conley to, if he's active, to take kind of a back seat here tonight. But uh, 
that, you know, Colin Sexton played just 19 minutes off the bench. Talon Horton Tucker played nine minutes. Jared Vanderbilt, 28 minutes because he was in foul trouble. So these these young guys can come out and match Houston, and they still have more talent. I mean, they could roll out their second unit against Houston, and they you might say that they have more talent than Houston, which is really just, you know, let's see what we have in Jalen Green. And that's really the point of their season is to see what he can do with the ball in his hands almost every single possession. And it's pretty, pretty exciting. I, I think his prop is only 23 and a half points, and I definitely don't hate that. Uh, Utah right now, the highest scoring team in the league, also very high in terms of the points they're allowing as they as they ramp up that pace. So I think there's some some props to look for here if you can angle uh, based on, you know, the minutes projections after the Jazz played uh, into overtime last night. So I, th- I think, yeah, that's where you look for here. But I, th- I think Utah is still trying to win. Houston not trying to win. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that, that seems fair. Like you said, I think if if you're prioritizing Houston's objectives this season, it's make Jalen Green an All Star, uh, make Kevin make it so that Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Sangoon, uh, right, and, and their top draft pick uh, Jabari, right, make make sure that they can all play together, uh, and and we have like a nucleus here, uh, and really that like like attitude wise and locker room wise that we just all get along uh, and that we make it through the season intact, ready to, to pick up another piece next year as well. So those are their goals, not to, to necessarily win basketball games. Although I do think they'll, they'll fight here and there. I don't love the fact that Utah did come off that, that win. And, and really it was a win that took a lot out of it. it had to, they were up 17 uh, in that game originally against those Pellies. And then they, you know, the Pellies with their, their bench after their, their stars got hurt. Like you said, they came all the way back, pull put it into overtime. It it's still very impressive the way that they won because of the fact that they gave up that huge lead. They had to go play in overtime and they still stuck with it. And, and that's because this team is, it might be weirdly built as, as you said, but like it's kind of perfectly built for the NBA in 2022, 2023 this year. Um, when you look at, you know, a great example is, is Larry Markkinen, who we've always known could play in this league and could be a very efficient scorer and, and solid big man uh, front court player. Um, but then even when he got the opportunity on Cleveland, it was like, you're sticking on a roster that has two other seven footers in the, in the, you know, starting in the lineup with Jared Allen and, and Mobley, that's not going to work for Markkinen. You put him in this lineup. Now he's, you know, he's a, a, a big, small forward. If you will, on a team where the other two guys are Jared Vanderbilt and Kelly Olynyk, slightly undersized for, for a four and five. He's able to like have a little bit more space down low because Kelly Olynyk's coming out to the three point line a ton. It's just really working with what they're doing. Tall guys who are athletic can shoot and can do multiple things, a lot of different things from every position from Clarkson to Olynyk, Markin and Vanderbilt, all four of those guys. And then, yeah, I mean, even Rudy Gay, Walker Kessler, Taylor Horton Tucker, Colin Sexton. That's a very, very good bench. And it's a very tall bench uh, for each of those guys, you know, specific to their position. They're all big body guys uh, that can come in and switch. So they're doing some really good stuff. And as you probably know, Will Hardy's a very, very good coach coming over. Danny Ainge plucked him from the Celtics and he's just, he's putting things into perspective for them. Um, you know, they've even got Malik Beasley and Neil Nikhil, uh, Alexander Walker that they can throw in there when they need to. Um, so they're, they're deep, they're stacked. It's interesting. Their, their three through 10 is way better than the, the Lakers three through 10. Uh, and and that's really seems to be a huge, 
huge reason for why this team is as good as it is. Lakers are as bad as they are. So you talk about everything that they've done well. Um, it's it's really, really impressive. Like you said, number one points per game, assists per game, three-pointers made and attempted. It, they, they've got a very clear uh, identity here. And with, with the way the Rockets are playing defense, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to need to be that Utah has very, very tired legs, which I don't think we're worried about. I just named you 10 dudes that are in their rotation that can easily play in the NBA on any rotation right now. Um, so, I, I, yeah, you, you've, you've got to feel better about this team. I think they're, they're still being undervalued. Uh, if this, if they hadn't just played a double overtime or excuse me, an overtime game, the spread would probably be closer to five. It's still, it's at two. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to be worried about the, the back-to-backs and still feel really good about Utah being a much better team than the Rockets. Yeah. And you'd have to expect the Rockets to exploit that back-to-back in some way. And there's not enough experience on this team or frankly, the coaching staff to know how, how to, how to do that. So, I mean, yeah, at Utah, like you said, very well coached. Will Hardy, it's the Celtics coaching tree that's starting to uh, blossom here uh, across the league. We could see more guys emerge from that. Joe Mazzulla obviously doing a great job. But, uh, yeah, they're seventh in opponents three-point shooting, which is key when you go up against Houston. Right. Uh, right. And and not committing turnovers and you know, not giving giving a young team that, that easy run-out opportunity. Um, also have a huge advantage in the paint because, like you said, they have Markkanen, Olenek, they can go inside and out. Jared Vanderbilt is basically a non-scorer. Uh, so he's kind of that slasher dunker spot uh, yep. guy to space that out for them. And that front court is working. Uh, and and yep. you mentioned Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He might have to play here if Conley winds up sitting or they need to just give him some rest because he's obviously very old. And uh, <laughs> But they have plenty of guards to, to just go around and keep pace yeah. with this Rockets team. So. Uh, I, I think we can get one more win out of these Jazz before we start to fade them eventually. I'm not saying that they're going to be great over here. Yeah, no, eventually. But they, you know what? Like, is it going to so shock you if they win 35 games and, and are like an 11 seed in, in the West, potentially even get a play-in? It's not going to shock me anymore, right, at this point, because we're all waiting for teams like the Lakers to, to start getting back to what we think they're going to be. We are who they thought they were, <laughs> and, right? And like, it, and, and what you said that's the most important is Utah is in the top five in defending the three-pointer. They're in the top five in shooting the three-pointer, right? Mike Budenholzer is watching from Milwaukee with with absolute admiration over what the Jazz are doing right now as that's his, his game plan every season as well. Um, so I, I really like what they're doing. I think all of their players are also very intel- high IQ, intelligent players um, that, you know, you, it's honestly a little bit reminiscent of the Warriors when you look at a high set, like a high, you know, a, a center playing the high post like Kelly Olynyk, uh, a, a guy in the three in marketing who's actually asked to do a little bit more the way a la Draymond Green on offense. So I, I just really like the way it's put together. And while they might not be, you know, in the top of the standings the way they are right now for the rest of the season, if you can defend the three and score the three and have that many bodies, once again, all these guys playing 22 to 25 minutes, why would you be worried about them playing on a back-to-back? They're not like running them ragged to like 35 minutes at all. Um, so I, yeah, I, I really love uh, what this team is doing right now. And we owe them a little bit of an apology. They're not the worst roster the Spurs kind of still seem like the worst roster even though they're doing all right themselves so far but either way this one is still a uh, plenty of value for Utah so that's where we're looking you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust 
Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, we are going to bring everybody here today, the usual four or so. I think we have a few extra uh, as we have a really nice slate in the NBA to choose from tonight. Why don't you go ahead and kick us off with your first play a prop. John Morant, yeah, in the biggest game of the night, um, hosting the Nets. And look, he's on pace to probably lead the NBA in usage rate at this point based on Memphis, their roster construction. Uh, And so that's why I like the points and assists, 36 and a half more than the points for straight 30 points. I mean, I I don't hate that, but and I don't hate if you want to take 30 plus in a win for some player performance doubles. But he's just got the ball in his hands constantly. Um, you look at his first two games this season, averaged 41 and a half points, eight and a half assists with a 40% usage rate. Got to the line 24 times, hit eight for 14 threes. I think that's unsustainable. So the 41 points is not necessarily what you expect. I think you expect more around 32 to 35 uh, against the Brooklyn team. The last time he faced them, he went for 36, six and eight assists on 14 for 22 field goal shooting. Uh, look, Matt, Dallas, I say the first two games because in their third game, Memphis got blown out by Dallas. Ja got held in check by Dallas, which blitzed him pretty relentlessly. Um, you know, Jason Kidd says done a great job with those defensive schemes. He has the personnel to do that with Bullock and DFS. And not only do the Nets not have the personnel, they don't have the follow through to execute and or follow suit with that kind of scheme. Uh, so I don't think they really have any chance of getting the ball out of Jaws' hands like that, of lowering his usage. And they don't really have much chance of rim protection. Like Nick Claxton is their best option there, but it's been a clunky fit with him and Simmons. Um, and, and because he can't do that much on offense, Claxton, and they're kind of committed to Simmons to seeing what he can do as a small ball center. So it, it's been, you know, just straight magic carpet to the rim when Ben Simmons is supposed to be protecting the rim down there. Um, so yeah, and if John motivated, he's going to be going right there. Brooklyn's given up 54 paint points right now. They're 29th in defensive efficiency and there's no Dylan Brooks here for the Grizz, which is another booster for Ja in 49 games since 2020. He's averaging about 29 points, seven dimes without Dylan. So that's where his props at. But I think the matchup gives you a uh, good faith in the over. Yeah, I think the good matchup. It, it just gives you faith in everything for Ja. He's the exact type of player that the Nets are not able to stop, right? I mean, it's they're not able to stop really anybody down low regardless. So obviously, like you, you think of a guy like Joel or a big center that can back people down as the most effective way to beat the Nets. And it's like, yeah, that's effective. But you could also just have a guy like Ja who can get into the lane literally whenever he wants. Uh, just watching him do stuff, change speeds, pull up like at, at a dime. It's it's pretty wild this season. He, he got better. Uh, I think it's pretty crazy. And if he keeps shooting well, uh, there's no reason not to think he'll get 35 points alone tonight. So the points and assists, which gets you the minus 105 on, on DraftKings. I like those odds to just add the assist when I think he'll get very, very close to that with the points uh, anyway. So uh, 
Moving on to my Knickerbockers, and I'm talking about them because of Jalen Brunson taking on the Magic tonight. Um, you know, you could really, really like the assists for him is really what it comes down to. You, you can get his points, rebounds, and assists at 28 and a half. I don't hate that. I do see it as like him being around a, a 17 a night score, uh, about what he's at right now or so. Uh, it's the minutes that you also like, and, and I think the fact that um, you know t- tonight against uh, Orlando, I think it's going to be a little bit less of a blowout situation than what people might expect. The, the Knicks looking a little bit. Uh, pretty good so far this season uh the magic are as well they've got a really obviously nice young core um but you know the the last game that uh the knicks that bring up the blowout because the last game they played against detroit this that game was over in the third quarter uh and as a result guys like brunson and, and randall and company didn't really even really need to play that much and their stats weren't quite there even though jalen did have i believe what nine assists in, or uh, excuse me only he only had a few assists in that game but he did have uh all, all of those points as well to start the game off nine in the first game against memphis when he got 36 minutes so really what it comes down to is if he's going to play the average about 35 36 minutes in games that they're trying to win, which I think is definitely going to be the case. Um, then you, you got to like his ability to get look really the assists. I think, you know, most importantly for me is the, the five and a half assists on DK that's minus minus one sixty. bump that up to, you know, six and a half. So he's got to get seven assists. Um, and then you're already looking right back at about even money, about minus one Oh five, one ten. So, um, you feel, I feel pretty good about that as well. Just taking those assists. And then, you know, the, the thing I, that I really like here that you found was the plus plus one forty to be the assist leader in the game. Like, like I, asked you who who's the other option here cole anthony on the other side like yeah i like it but i think you've got the ball in paolo's hands and franz wagner's hands a little bit too much compared to how much i think brunson needs to run this offense the only other thing i would say is i also like julius randall um mostly because already orlando is giving up the most points most rebounds most everything to port to opposing power forwards and guys that are really playing in the spot that you're going to see randall tonight um so i think that 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 young core as big and as as good as it can be uh, i think there's you're getting some mismatch with some versatile guys like Randall who can take guys like Paolo and Franz Wagner off the dribble and kind of give them a lesson. Um, he's at 20 and a half points tonight. Um, I would consider that because that's also really good money. I think he's, you know, last year, 20 and 10 is where his averages uh, against uh, this Magic squad. So I think he continued to take advantage of their young front court. Yeah, I mean, if Julius is getting buckets, it's probably because Brunson's is uh, orchestrating things to get him the right matchup to drop dimes to him and pick and roll. Um, yeah, Mad- the Magic... I think they'll be competitive here because they have so much bulk up front, uh, better so than Detroit, who Jalen just picked apart. He yeah. has, what, 16 t- assists and zero turnovers through two games with his team. So it's really impressive to watch how he's orchestrated this offense and turned it into an actual efficient offense. And, yeah, this oversized Orlando team, his last three matchups, averaging 19 points uh, and shooting 66% from the floor, 60% from deep, the – Assist numbers aren't really there because we and the minutes haven't really been there, I guess, right. 30 minutes per game because he's been playing with Luca. But well, you just look at his raw numbers without Luca last year, 20 and a half points, seven and a half assists. So that's why we're saying uh, we like that. And, and any team plays with more pace than the Mavs. So there's more assist opportunities as long as this yep. game stays. We cold. have a point guard, baby. Yeah. We have a point guard. It's exciting. It's basketball's back in the garden. Um oh. Yeah, the Celtics, I mean, god damn, Jason Tatum looks like the best player in the NBA in th- through three games. Um, there's no really other way to put it. Yep. He's just been absolutely terrorizing people. Uh, he's averaging nearly 35 points, over eight rebounds, shooting uh, nearly 60% from the floor. And we've seen some of his inconsistent shooting nights in the past. We've seen some of the mental hurdles that he has to get over including the finals and there has to be something 
that went through his mind or went through his training process to kind of battle through that um, after after the way he was shut down in the finals. And I don't think we're going to see the same lulls this year. So now going into a Bulls team uh, matchup that, you know, he only averaged 19 and a half points per game in his last two. He shot 30 percent from the floor. You know, it was that kind of like. Jumper's not falling. I'm going to settle. I'm not going to attack, even though the Bulls are no rim protection. So I I think that you don't have to worry about him scoring in this matchup anymore. Uh, he did have 11 rebounds per game in those in those contests. So I think 33 and a half points in rebounds at nearly even money, much better odds than the minus 120 on him to get 26 points, which is what you get across the board here. I, I like adding the rebounds. I mean, he's close to a double-digit rebounder. Right now, uh, the C's are going small. They have no Rob Williams. The Bulls will give you a lot of rebounding opportunities. And, yeah, Tatum, there's nobody who's going to stop him. I mean, we thought that there's other uh, bulky power forwards in the league that might give him a hard time. I I don't think Pat Williams or anybody on the Bulls is going to really give him, uh, you know, stop him from getting where he wants here. And you look at... Yeah, we talk about the mental toughness. What he did on the road was much better than at home once the C's turned the corner and showed that mental toughness as a a group. Averaged 29 and a half points, eight rebounds, shot 52%, hit four threes at a 44% clip. So you can also look at three threes at minus 110. Um, I think you're in pretty good odds here for Tatum, who just is going to continue to put up big numbers. And, and you didn't even mention, I'll uh, just add to your point, Chicago is the worst three-point defensive team in the league right now. Um, not something you expect when they do. They have Caruso back, and you'd think that that'd be a little bit more short up. Not the case. They've also got Kobe White playing a lot of minutes, who's looked a lot better, but that also, once again, just weakens your, your wing defense tremendously. If you're going to have him and Caruso on the floor uh, at the same time, not to mention Dragic, they're, they're just small at that at that position right now, especially without Lonzo in there. Um, so uh, you just, you've got like Tatum's ability all over the floor to take on every single matchup in this game. I, I really love it for him. Really glad I picked him with the seventh overall pick in the fantasy draft as well. He is the best player in fantasy Stop right now. Probably the fantasy team. And, sorry, just saying, everybody cares. But also the 13-1 to 1 MVP pre, preseason that we talked about. I mean, it was between he and Ja that we were talking, I think, the most with the most saliva coming out, talking about potentially getting odds on those guys. Um, so I, I think, you know, he and, he and Ja are proving that right now. And, and I would really, really, really love to watch a Tatum season where he doesn't have those lapses to the point that you made. Um, this is a huge game in that sense because it's like, look, man, three in a row playing like a killer right now. What else do you have in you? You know, this is this is a big Eastern Conference matchup right now. So I'm really looking forward to that one for him. Let's finish things off and just talk about the Blazers because we're a little bit split. I know you like Jeremy Grant revenge game here against Denver. I don't hate it. 21 and a half points and rebounds minus 105. I just, you know, and four and a half rebounds is uh plus 115 uh all the both of those on DraftKings. i don't i don't dislike both of those you know he has had one game against denver since he left the team when he was in detroit with that huge uh usage rate that he was getting 29 points five boards four assists you gotta like that but this also isn't detroit right this is dame's team Anthony simons and josh hart cutting into a bit of his usage and not to mention nurk so um we'll see the thing that i don't also don't like totally about jerry grant is that nurk is going to be on the floor in this game for the fact that he who else is going to guard Jokic as much as he can, right? If he stays out of foul trouble, if he gets in foul trouble, then you've got Jeremy Grant playing a little bit more small ball five. He doesn't, he has a lot more room to work with. So I think that's going to, de- you know, what, how much Nurkic plays is going to depend a lot. He's going to really be the uh, deciding factor in Jeremy Grant's final stat line. 
Josh Hart, on the other hand, you can get six and a half boards, minus 130, not the greatest odds. He's got three games of seven, seven, and 16 rebounds. Not the only reason I like it. You know, obviously he's, he's continues to be like one of, if not the best rebounding guard in the league, uh, playing a lot of small forward. If you look at who's playing small forward against me on the other side, you've got Michael Porter Jr., really, really bad defender. Alternatively, Aaron Gordon playing the four for Denver, guarding Jeremy Grant. That's the only reason that I sway a little bit towards Josh Hart having a better game than Jeremy Grant. It's mostly just who's on the other side of the ball defending him. One is an awful, awful defender uh, in Michael Porter Jr., and the other is a very plus defender uh, in Aaron Gordon. So that's that's what I look at. But there, I can see both of these going either way. Denver's a very bad rebounding team, which really leads me to like rebounds for both those guys as well. So um, I think either of those guys are okay. Eileen, Josh Hart. You still feel in Jeremy Grant in that revenge game a little bit more, though? I love the revenge narrative. I just got to go with it. I, I think Josh Hart is the fine vanilla pick. Uh, you just said, you know, he's going for his averages. That's great. But this this is entertainment. This is exciting. You know, we, we need a reason to stay up late on the East Coast here and watch this game. And it's to see if Jeremy Grant can put up big numbers against his team again. Uh, like you said, 29-5-4 and four when he was with Detroit in his first opportunity to show that he is, quote, the man that that he felt he should be. And that's why he took less money, I believe, to go to Detroit to get higher usage. Funny that he's now on a team where he gets much lower usage. But maybe there's some discussions behind closed doors. You know, you got to let me get some extra touches tonight. And I think the rebounds is really the bet here. If you're going to if you're going to put um, significant money, because, yeah, Denver's been awful rebounding. They gave up double digit offensive rebounds to both Utah and OKC. Yeah. This is their third game in four nights. It is for both teams. Uh, so I think a, a high-energy guy with motivation like Grant should be able to grab at least five boards here. I'm with it. I mean, I, and, I, and as I call you, Dr. Revenge uh, is added again early in the season, and, and it works out. I mean, you, you, you're you hot as hell right now at player props. I will say uh, we continue to, to, to hit these at about a 70% clip to start the season, which is where we were last year. So, you know, I think you, we got to ride the hot hand right now. I told Nate before the show, look, man, I acquiesce to you. You you are hot right now on these player props, so we're going to continue to follow along. Jeremy Grant is your pick tonight, and I will continue uh, to, to tail you on these things. So that is all the time we have for you guys and all of our player props today make sure to like and subscribe continue to follow along with us we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for that tuesday slate and until we see you next happy betting